RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Time is it? And what day is it? These are questions I ask almost every day. It's 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night on the West Coast, 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night on the East Coast. And you know what that means? It's Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. Laissez les bon temps rouler, and I'm John Champion. By the way, that means let the good times roll. It's Mardi Gras. How about it? that? Yeah, it is Mardi Gras. Yeah, I'm I'm not doing a Mardi Gras celebration, but uh, my mom and dad were out, and they sent me pictures of what a good time they were having. So I just thought I'd share it. At- it by you know doing the show here hey here's how all this goes down uh by the way i'm john champion uh we watch discovery you watch discovery and then you our star trek pals you give us a call we can talk discovery we can talk about other trek uh maybe you have non-trek questions like uh what did i have for lunch what did ken have for lunch what did earl have for lunch all those questions can be answered on tonight's show so the lines are open and ready for you 669-900-6833. That is the number to call. This week, it is the seventh episode of Star Trek Discovery's second season, season even, uh, Light and Shadows. Joining us this week, it's you. Yes, we're doing that thing again, where you call in, you say what you want to say. I, I am curious, by the way, what you had for lunch, John Champion. I'm not asking right now, but okay. you know, if people don't call in and either ask for themselves or don't call in and ask other questions... Oh, we can talk about your lunch. We can talk about mine. And yeah, we can talk about Earl's as well. If you do have questions or thoughts about lights and shadow, actually, or light and shadows, which I will get right at least one time tonight, we would love for you to uh, share those questions with us. Join our Zoom meeting. You can use the one tap from your smartphone, or I think if you go to the Facebook page, uh, of course, it's just sort of pinned right there. So you can just you know jump right in. Or if you got a phone nearby, and don't we all... 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Uh, lines are open and pretend operators are pretending to stand by. Hey, uh, let's see what I love to do, which is to say hello to everybody in the chat. Everybody, everybody. And by the way, uh, uh, Paul right now says, nice pin, Ken. Thank Ken, you very much. Big old itic right there. I have the tiny itic on here. Oh. We didn't plan that out either no but, uh, yeah we didn't uh good friends at fan sets this oh, is this is honestly a, just an amazing amazing pen because you can of course you know you can hunt like you know secondhand stores or you can uh you can pay top dollar and and this is a really quality pen that they have and it is like the price of a fan sets pen nice um so you know whatever show you go to or just go to their website and no they're not sponsoring this show it's just honestly i saw this last year in vegas and thought, I don't understand why everybody isn't wearing one of those because, <laughs> um, because they were uh, very accessible and affordable and, uh, and, and, uh, and blingy, very blingy, especially for a Vulcan, but you know. Maybe that's a little introduction to some sponsored content down the road. Let's just, you know, let's hope so. Could well be. <laughs> well, let's say hi. Uh, there's David, there's Carlos, there's Cosmo. Hey, Cosmo, there's Aaron, there's Casey, there's Mark. We have, uh, oh, wait a minute. I lost it. There we go. Mauricio saying hi from Brazil. Well, that's nice. pretty cool. Hi, Mauricio. We have Evan. We have Peter. Uh, we have Julian. We have Barbara, uh, Paul, uh, Scott Palm. Gonna uh, give a special shout out to Scott Palm coming up here in just a moment. Uh, and then there's, uh, Narda, a big good day from Australia. I mean, I love that we have an international audience. That is, that is incredibly cool. Yeah. That is a very cool thing. It's, it's interesting because I know, well, whatever. Yeah. It's a really cool thing that people are able to watch, you know, uh, from all across the country and around the world. We do want to thank everybody for checking us out here live on Facebook, by the way, or if you're catching the video later on YouTube. Uh, youtube.com slash Roddenberry prod is the place to do that. If you're not doing that. And if you are doing that, Hey, it's very cool to have you here as well. If you're catching the audio only podcast, that's fantastic. Basically. Thank you very much for joining us uh, either live or later as you are right now. Hey, by the way, uh, uh, we also have Barry all the way from Tennessee. Tennessee. So, uh, Tennessee. Wow. We got Brazil. We got Australia. We got Tennessee. Tennessee, that's, 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 yeah. yeah, that's my old stomping grounds. That's, I know, I know. that's very Parts cool. from which I hail, just north of uh, parts from which you hail. 
By the way, it's kind of funny. Uh, every week when uh, Earl sends us the, uh, the the information about setting up the live show, he also writes his own log line, like the kind of thing you'd find in a TV guide. So tonight, Star Trek Discovery Light and Shadows, in which Arium totally opens an attachment without scanning at first. Good going, Arium. Just takes one person getting it wrong for all the bridge officers to have to do the IT best practices webinar all over again. They should all just look at her like that, you know, like for the next week, they should always be like giving her sort of side eye every like, time uh, now that they have to do that. Of course, is she like, does she feel, do we know, we don't know. Well, it's far too early to start talking about the episode, but it's interesting because we're bound to learn more about Ariam now, aren't we? Yeah. 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 She's always been sort of like this interesting being on the bridge. Hey, though, we'll get to the part about why we're going to find out more about Ariam a bit later. Right. Uh, in the meantime, what are we doing right now? Are we doing poll question or are we doing what's coming up soon? Well, let's do the coming up. Let, let's get rid of the okay. business first. Okay. Then, then we'll get into the poll question. Yeah. So coming up is that uh, we're still on a mission log break. However, yeah. you may have noticed that we're doing mission log live. What? What? I know, right? So it is a little bit of a, a thing here to understand. And we, we started to point that out on the supplemental show. So producing the supplemental, producing the live show it is a bit easier than producing a full mission log episode and mission log, uh, in the best of all possible worlds, we're actually ahead on that. Uh, but it takes a long time to produce those shows, unlike a live show, which is, well, it's live. Uh, so Bob Little on Facebook, I just wanted to address this uh, because he asked in the chat earlier, why are you only taking a break from DS9? You did a live show this week and a supplemental last week. If you're going to take time off, then do it so they can get back sooner. Well, it, it doesn't exactly work out that way with the timing, uh, just because the production needs of both shows are very different. So yeah. um, we didn't want to completely disappear and just leave everybody with dead air. Made sense to continue, especially while Discovery is live, while, while that's yeah. being broadcast with only seven more episodes right now. I I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You can you can pause uh, Deep Space Nine pretty easily because it's been paused for about you know, 20 something years now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Discovery is going like as Discovery happens. The whole reason we decided to do Mission Log Live as a live show is because we wanted to be able to, you know, meet you know, with other people who are watching it and, mm -hmm. and talk with them about that. And so it seemed kind of crazy. Although I, mean, I feel you, Bob. Because yeah. last week, I know, man, it points to you for writing the recap this week, John. But I know the past two weeks, I had actually written the recap for both. Oh, right. And it yeah. kind of felt like we weren't taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. So thanks for thanks for asking, Bob. I appreciate that. And um, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, other thing we got coming up. Yes. So we're still doing that Sansar stuff. Uh, second event for the Roddenberry uh, Theater in Sansar. As uh, day after tomorrow, Thursday, the 7th of March, we're going to be doing the yellow sweater interview. Uh, no, you don't have to wear a yellow sweater, but if you have one, why not? Uh, this is a, an interview that uh, John and I were talking about it right before the show. Um, not often seen. In fact, it was so difficult to see that we had a hard time laying our own hands on it. It took quite a while to, uh, to find it in the, in the uh, volumes and volumes of, uh, of digital stuff that Rod has. Uh, this is an interview that John thinks was probably used for like a, like a DVD or something like that. Like, you know, sort of the, the small bits of interviews, as far as we know, outside of Roddenberry, this is not a Gene Roddenberry interview that anybody has seen in total. You might've seen bits and pieces of it and you may well watch it and think, Oh, well, I've seen this before. You've only seen segments. So it's kind of exciting. Um, it's going to be in the theater, which is exciting. It's going to be a rarely seen Gene Roddenberry interview, which is exciting. And uh, Rod Roddenberry is going to be one of the hosts for this event. So that's also exciting. Plenty of reasons to be excited. As always, it is uh, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern at Sansar.com. What you do is uh, go there like today or tomorrow, make your account. As long as you're running your computer, that's Windows 7 or later, you'll be able to Join us, of course, if you have the virtual reality stuff, either an HTC Vive or a uh, or an Oculus Rift, then you'll be able to actually, you know, be in the theater, as it were. But you'll be able to participate as long as you have a computer that runs Windows 7 or later. 
go make your account. And then Thursday night around 6.45 on the West Coast, uh, 9.45 on the East Coast, you log into Sansar and they have this event page and it'll be like the top event because it's going to be happening right then. So really encourage everybody to come and check that out and, uh, you know, come prepared to have a great conversation and also see a great conversation. Um, yeah, as part of the Yellow Sweater event. Yeah, so that is happening uh, Thursday night, and you can find the listing at uh, facebook.com slash missionlogpod, or uh, look for a Sansar, go to sansar.com, as Ken mentioned. It is free, and uh, Carlos points out, he says, I believe the yellow sweater interview was for press for TNG, and I, I think you're right. This was shot in 1988. Uh, it even has the slate in there at the top of the interview. Um, so you'll probably recognize clips from it. You will probably recognize the outfit and the setting, uh, but I had never seen the uh, the full thing before. So this would be very cool. And to hear Rod talk about uh, what his father was talking about uh, 31 years ago. So kind of cool. And there's one other piece of business that I want to mention to everybody before we get on with the rest of the show. And that is, uh, I pointed out before that in uh, the chat right now, in Facebook, watching the show right now, is a friend of mine and Ken's. His name is Scott Palm. And you might remember uh, several episodes back on the live show, we had Scott on with Chase Masterson. That's actually how I met Scott was through Chase. And I'd seen him around at uh, STLV before. So many of you who have been to STLV, you would probably recognize Scott as well. Well, here's the thing. Uh, March is National Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. And uh, Scott, being somebody with cerebral palsy, and Scott being someone who is an advocate and educator, uh, particularly for kids who have disabilities, he does a pretty amazing thing, which is to say that he works with Chase's organization, the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, to go to schools and uh, address two sets of kids. One would be the the kids who have disabilities, who are working on things like self-identity and resilience and self-worth. And then the other set being their peers who need to learn things about, oh, some very Star Trek ideals like inclusion and diversity. And I cannot speak more highly of the work that Chase does and then uh, what Scott is able to do through the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Now, here's the thing. It takes time, it takes equipment, it takes material, and it takes a lot of effort to do this. So uh, Rod Roddenberry was very kind when I brought him the idea that we should do a public fundraiser, and the Roddenberry Foundation will match every single dollar that is raised through this public fundraiser to go to expand the program that Scott does. And uh, we've been very ambitious about it. Chase gave me a budget uh, that is six months, nine months, 12 months, to have Scott go to schools and deliver this program. So look, Mission Log has never been a place that we have uh, uh, pitched other people's projects or products, uh, except for our, our paid sponsorships when we need to. But this is something that I very strongly believe in, and uh, I really want to encourage you to have a look. The best place to find it right now is simply go to facebook.com slash mission log pod. You may already be there or twitter.com slash mission log pod. I have pinned the links to the fundraisers there. And remember, every dollar that you give is effectively doubled by the Roddenberry Foundation. We know that we're leaving this up for the month of March uh, because of cerebral palsy awareness. We might keep it up a little bit longer, just depending on how close we get to those stretch goals. Uh, but please, Scott is great people. Chase is great people. And um, I really want you to get to know what it is that they do through this fundraiser. And uh, hopefully you will all get to meet him or Chase or both if you're at STLV in one of these coming, uh, coming years, because uh, they are often fixtures there. So, uh, so that's it. That, that, that's the pitch for tonight. I'll do it again on the next show, <laughs> but I needed to get it out there tonight. And uh, I really hope that you all, most importantly, go take a look, donate, and please, please, please share the information. We want this to get as wide an audience as it possibly can. Um, so thank you all. I know that you will do us proud. Hey, Ken, how about the poll? How about the poll, John? Uh, last week, the poll question was releasing the Kelpians, sweet freedom or super predators? 
Uh, Sweet Freedom, 60%. Super Predators, 40%. Sorry, that poll question is closed. You can't vote now. So if you felt differently, what you should have done was voted before. Hey, like this poll that we have now. This week, the question is, do you think you know who or what the Red Angel is? Do you think you know who or what the Red Angel is? Now, we're not asking you to tell us who or what you think the Red Angel is. Although if you want to, you can, because, you know, phone lines are open. We have, you know, uh, you can do the video thing, all that stuff. But the question we're asking simply for the poll, do you think you know who or what the Red Angel is? Yes, 27%. No, 73%. John's got the recap coming up in a moment. But first, John, I think we answered this last week, but I can't remember what your answer was. Do you think you know who or what the Red Angel is? I don't, and I'm kind of playing willfully ignorant here. Okay. Uh, I, you told me who you thought. You told me that you thought you knew. Yes. And, and why you think you know, and I think that's yes. an interesting idea, and I don't think I'll be disappointed if okay. that's the way that it goes, but I'm, I'm just trying to, to be dispassionately separated from it, I'm trying not to speculate here. Really? Because the whole thing is based on trying to figure out who or what the Red Angel is. Are you telling me that you're like, yeah, no, I just want to let other people find out. I don't want to figure it out myself. I'm along for the ride. I just want to see it bit by bit, piece by piece, and not not sort of jump to the conclusion here. Like, here's the thing. So last time around in season one, when people were just saying right from the beginning, like, oh, yeah, this guy is from the mirror universe. Oh, that that's what I, I kind of just... I, I didn't want to go down that path of speculation right away. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. Now, now Earl Green, Earl Green being who he is, he's got a theory. Red Angel, Neelix. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah. I was going to say Prime Lorca, but I wasn't really going to say Prime Lorca. Lorca you know, yeah. we're holding out for him in season three, aren't we? Hey, so here's the thing. We've been referencing some things that happened in this week's episode of Discovery. What we haven't done, though, is recapped this week's episode of Discovery. That is the job of Mr. John Champion this week. Mr. John Champion, won't you take it away? Oh, here we go. So much still unknown about the Red Angel, except that it's humanoid and it's using some kind of technology and it either made Spock mad or chose Spock because he was mad. Burnham heads off to Vulcan to try to get answers, while Pike and the Disco stay near Kaminar to analyze the big old tachyon mess left behind. Saru is ready to shoot a probe at it, but the closer they get, the more wibbly-wobbly their time gets. There's Pike doing a thing he just did before. They need to back the ship off, and Pike decides to take a shuttle in for a closer shot with the probe, and he'll be joined by his close personal friend, Ash Tyler. On Vulcan, it's about as warm and friendly as to be expected. Amanda is cagey and Sarek is meditating. Michael Burnham is pushing for answers and not getting them. Where is Spock? Uh, Okay, Amanda relents and takes Michael to an ancient Vulcan temple where Spock has been hidden away for a couple of days. He's muttering principles of logic to himself, and just like Tommy Two-Tone, he keeps saying the same numbers over and over again. 841947. They don't know what it means, and Michael insists that they should take him to get help. Amanda refuses, though. She's protecting her son from those who would surely put him on trial for a murder he did not commit. As an ambassador's wife, she can protect him here from extradition. But guess who shows up to pour cold water on that plan? Ambassador Sarek himself. Let's check in on the shuttle and the probe. Pike gets close enough to fire the probe, but not until some really weird time jump starts showing him himself again, pointing a phaser at Ash sometime in the future. When they do fire the probe, though, they get sucked further into the time rift, no idea where they are, and Pike orders a plasma burn because, well, just wait. This all leaves Saru in charge, making the call, oh, making the call to change Disco's current mission into one of rescue rather than exploration. Tilly's got an idea. She can talk to Stamets about using his tardigrade powers to connect him to the mycelial network where he can get a fix on what time zone they've jumped into. And Stamets is like, yeah, that is going to be ridiculously difficult. Down on Vulcan, Sarek is not happy about Amanda literally hiding Spock from him. And she's like, hey, chill. 
I read Alice in Wonderland to our kids because they were totally on both sides of a looking glass. And, oh, geez, mom and dad, can you please not do this in front of the kids? Fine. Sarek says they need to hand over Spock to Section 31. So Michael Burnham does, as her father says, handing over Spock to Leland, and he gets out a device that looks a little medieval, a brain scanner, he assures her, just a thing to look and repair, and, oh, he promises it'll be fine. Yeah, it won't be fine. Giorgio privately tells Michael what's going on. That thing is a brain eraser. And she has a plan to save Spock and save face. They're going to fight it out. Seriously, to make it look like Michael overpowered her, it's a good alibi. Back to the shuttle, Pike and Ash are still in the rift, and the probe they shot off earlier comes back to say hi, only it has changed. It's got medical, it's got metal tentacles, and it's just all matrixy and scary. It's gotten 500 years worth of upgrades in the rift and is beating the tar out of them. That moment Pike saw earlier of himself aiming a phaser at Ash. Yeah, that's happening now where he's aiming it at the tentacle thing, strangling the dude. Good thing that while all this was happening, Disco got a lock on that plasma burn and Stamets has a plan. He's going to have Tilly beam him onto the shuttle since he can see the way those time rifts are swirling all over the place. He does, but by his calculation, he's from about 10 minutes in the future, and he can pilot them out. And he does. But that probe tentacle thing that latched onto the shuttle earlier is gobbling up anything it can from the onboard computer. Only thing they can do is try to beam out just as they trigger a self-destruct on the shuttle, which they do. Everybody is safe back on board the Discovery, but Commander Arium, who was monitoring the probe's activity, is affected oh sure she replies after a second when saru asks her about pike and the others that there was a red signal in the data breach that somehow has messed her up that'll just have to remain to be seen now michael did indeed beat the tar out of philippa giorgio long enough to spring spock free and she blasts her way out of the section 31 ship leaving with her brother on a shuttle Oh, oh, and remember how Pike was a little dismissive of Tyler's assertion that the Red Angel may have been hostile before? Well, scary probe from the future, Red Angel full of future technology. Yeah, maybe they need to be a little more cautious. Oh, and uh, remember all those numbers Spock was muttering earlier? Well, Michael thinks they could be anything. Coordinates, maybe? Yeah, the computer on their shuttle is working on it. And it turns out that they point to a little place called Talos 4. Hmm, sounds lovely. Guess we'll spend a little time there next week. Oh, and Leland killed Michael Burnham's parents. So says Giorgio, the end. That's not really fair. She said it to Leland. She didn't even I, say it to Michael. Right. I mean, see, I wanted to mix around. I had to condense and mix around a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. she says that to Leland. And uh, she's always got one up on Leland, which is fun. Got to admit. Yeah, it's weird, though, because there are all these people who didn't have anything to do with anything before who are now just like completely Section 31, right? Like like Emperor yeah. Giorgio was 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 emperor of like a whole other alternate dimension, right? But she knows Section 31 like the back of her hand. And Tyler, three weeks ago, was a Klingon. Yeah. And now he knows Section 31 like the back of his hand. And he's like he has is as in the section 31 as as people used to be in the amway or herbalize yeah he's talking about it he is like he is like he is he is section 31 through and through well not through and through because you got like two layers down and it's clean (laughs) up but right kind of fascinating Uh, section 31 really sort of uh, engenders that kind of loyalty it seems they're they're so into it, but they, it's honestly I kind of hand it to Section Thirty One because their HR must be working really hard. They're like, you know what? We like your resume. We, you know, it, it's how many times have you applied for something like you're the perfect match for the job, but like you didn't already know somebody there, or right. you know, there was some nepotism. Section Thirty One yeah. is just like, you, you know, we haven't worked with you, but you were the emperor in a whole parallel universe. We like the cut of your jib. Yeah. Usually when potential employers hear how many people I've beaten up, they're like, no, no, no. But <laughs> Section 31. Yeah. 
Sorry. That's, that's my imitation of somebody applying to Section 31. I've never beaten anybody up. And I know you're really surprised to hear that, but you know, it's never <laughs> happened. Right, right. So, hey, we have a couple of callers standing by. I think the first thing that we should do here is go right away to Rebecca, who has been very patient through uh, my condensed, yet hopefully thorough enough recap. And uh, I can't wait to see what Rebecca says. Ken, you and I take notes, but it's always more interesting to just kick it off with what our listeners have to say. I agree. I agree. I think I think we're still waiting for Rebecca. So really quickly, while we're doing that, let me remind everybody else who's not Rebecca. Although if you're also a Rebecca, it's fine. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can join our Zoom meeting either by using the one tap from your smartphone or going to Facebook.com slash Mission Log Pod and uh, clicking on the thing right there that will get you right here. Yeah. Hey, by the way, Rebecca, if you are listening right now, uh, Earl is trying to move you over into the uh, into the breakout room or the ready room, if you will. Uh, so it sounds like uh, oh, sounds like we got a Rebecca. It sounds like we have a Rebecca ready to join us. We just need to unmute Rebecca and then uh, it's chat time. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? We can perfectly. Mm-hmm. We can hear you perfectly, Rebecca. What's up tonight? How are you? Okay. Um, I was asking a question in regards to do you think that the um the discovery is going to be rewatchable in ten years? Ooh. Do you mean do you mean is discovery gonna stand up or do, or is it gonna be available? Can you can you tell me exactly what you're asking? I'm sorry, I'm hearing echo because I'm hearing both audios. Basically, what I mean is, since it is not episodic, or people have the same value as we do now on the stories, because there won't be as much suspense when you can actually watch it and you know what's going on before you even see it. It's kind of like a time warp. Mm. That That is a great question, and I really... Ooh, I, I really wonder about the the nature of TV now. Like, I think that something that's very cool is that uh, you can sign on to a uh, the service of your choice, Netflix, Amazon Prime, CBS, whatever, and and binge a show, um, and get the whole you know fifteen episode, fourteen episode arc in one shot, and then be done with it. And I think that's a very cool thing to be able to do, but yeah, in 10 years' time, does that storytelling format really hold up? And I, I really don't know if it does, at least for me, I, I don't know that it does yet. And I'm trying to think about other shows that I've binged. And I would watch Mad Men again, all seven seasons of that. It probably took me, oh, I don't know, a few months to get through that show. But I'd probably watch it again. And I don't know if I would watch it I, you know, when I watch it 10 years from now, I, I I really don't know. You can't go back sort of episode by episode on Discovery, except for a couple of standouts. There have been a couple that maybe hold up as individual stories. Now, I don't know that knowing the spoilers necessarily hurts the enjoyment. I think knowing a spoiler can actually improve your enjoyment of a show from time to time, depending on the type of spoiler, because then you go through and watch it and you're, you're sort of watching for the details maybe that you missed before and seeing how those all add up to whatever plot points are going to be revealed. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, I think from a production value point of view, I think discovery will hold up for a long time. It is produced very well, but, from a storytelling point of view, I, I'm I'm really torn. I mean, Ken, you want to predict the future? I think if the story speaks to you, then sure. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I I have rewatched Buffy the Vampire Slayer twice. I've rewatched The Wire, I think, once, and both of those are shows. And I've watched rewatched Angel one time. I've rewatched Firefly more times than I can count. But Firefly doesn't really do the same thing. Firefly is more. You can watch an episode of Firefly and be fine. You can't really watch an episode of Buffy, generally speaking, after the first season, I think. They they sort of do season-long arcs with individual episodes that you can pull out. You don't have to know everything that's going on. 
The Wire, I mean, you might enjoy an episode of The Wire, but you will have no idea what's happening if you don't watch a whole season. Um, but all those shows speak to me, so I can watch them again, sure. Even if, you know, and there are things that like just don't work today, like everybody would have a smartphone where they can look up everything. You don't have to go back to the library and look up anything or anything like that. Uh, Discovery, of course, isn't going to suffer from that kind of thing. Um, and honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous of people who can just sort of watch the whole thing at once. I, I mean, I know there are people who really like the fact that we watch from week to week, and I certainly do like the fact that we get to have that discussion. But there's a lot of me that would just like to be able to sit down and, like, over the course of a couple of days, get through uh, all of it. Um, just because that's sort of the way that's sort of the way. TV has turned for a lot of shows like this, right? Go to something like, uh, I don't know, TNG or go to the Orville or something like that. Generally speaking, I mean, the most you might get is maybe a two-parter with that. So having to wait for a week, you know, to get to the next thing um, it can, can sort of build suspense. But it, generally speaking now, with the exception of Game of Thrones or the other HBO shows, um, we don't usually have to wait uh, as long on something like this. Yeah. I mean, I basically, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to end where I began. If it's a story that speaks to you, then it's a story that'll probably speak to you in 10 years or five years or, or 20. I mean, it's almost a question of how you change as a viewer more than how the show changes. Rebecca, thank you so much for, uh, for a provocative question. That's, I, I think that's uh, going to be a tough thing to, to try to answer. I think I, I said to you one time early on when we met, Ken, you know, uh, next gen is your Star Trek. TOS is my Star Trek. And I felt like TNG didn't age well for me just from a production point of view. I think the stories are fantastic, but. Um, there's a lot of that feels dated. TOS feels very dated, but then it got so dated it felt cool again, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and, and then I think later track like Enterprise is produced really well. Um, just, you know, a little more modern production technique. The sets are really dense, really lovely. So I think that show holds up very well. I mean, it, who knows? Who knows what our, our preferences are going to be 10 years from now or so. But, um, I guess we'll have to join back. You know, Dave Takeshi just said in the chat that we're doing this until about 2035 at least. <laughs> so we'll have time to come back around to it and uh, and answer that question again. Rebecca, have a great night. Thank you so much. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can tap the uh, thing on the thing or do the other thing as well. I think that was uh, supposed to be a Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod or the one tap from your smartphone. Uh, who's next, John? Is it Cosmo or is it Rudy? Uh, I think we need to hit Rudy next. Rudy was in line first. And uh, I'm just amused because I see the, the name on the thing here and I want to call him Rudy Wells. Remember, there were there were three Rudy Wells. Yeah, you don't want to call him the one. You want to call no, him the other no, one. No, 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 no. Oh, the other. Right. The okay. other one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Rudy, you're with us on Mission Log Live. How are you doing tonight, Rudy? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Fantastic. Good to have you join us tonight. What's uh, what's up? What's on your mind? Well, last week, uh, you guys had me on for a little bit. I was Jared last week over the phone, finally figuring out the meeting so that I can see everyone, which is really cool. Um, this week, my thoughts are kind of going to what feels like a theme this season of sort of trust and who do you trust and how do you know who to trust? And it, it feels like Burnham is putting a lot of her faith in the wrong people. You know, she doesn't, she's slow to trust her captain, which is understandable after last year. She still trusts Tyler, but because he's in section 31, she seems to trust them, which isn't smart. And, and she's, even mentioned the the scorpion and the frog. You know, how many times does she have to learn the lessons of that parable before she'll have a a, a, a quicker sense of who she can trust and who she can't? And you, of the other characters are having similar issues. It's just really intriguing to me to watch that play out. Uh, but, you know, it's so interesting that I, she seems to be doing something that, 
Ken, we had a conversation about way early in TOS. I, I, I think it was, man, maybe it was the menagerie where we talked about just the implicit trust of Spock. So like, well, well, he, he's Spock. He wouldn't do anything wrong. We know Spock and we like Spock. So therefore we're going to go to the ends of the galaxy to trust and protect Spock and, and not even sort of entertain the idea that Spock might actually be doing something horribly wrong. You know, <laughs> so so she she has this trust for sure, but it's this trust that and then somebody she has this huge rift in her relationship with. But, but she's so ready to just be invested in that relationship to the detriment of all others. And maybe that makes sense why she wants to trust Leland, because she thinks this is what I need to do something good for Spock. Hmm. That's interesting. Although her trusting Leland was just. I almost wish she hadn't trusted Leland. I almost wish he had like had her physically removed from his ship because, you know, she spent what episode seven, right? So we spent half a season so far looking for her brother. And then she's going to be like, yeah, but I'm just going to turn him over to, you know, to whomever. Um, because I trust the system and section 31's part of the system. It's their Starfleet, right? Admiral Cornwall was with them just last week. It's fine. That was a surprising thing, actually, to hear from Sarek. I mean, I understand his whole, well, logically, they must want whatever, but Vulcans have been around the galaxy. Vulcans were actually going around the galaxy before we were going around the galaxy. They have to have come across, you know, some double dealing somebody at some point to say, well, the only logical reason Section 31 would want him. I mean, sort of leaving out the part where they're completely paranoid and think that, you know, everybody's out to get everybody except for them. I mean, at points in Enterprise, weren't they the double-dealing someone's now and again, keeping secrets? And... Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few years. Yeah. Give us a little bit of time on that. Uh, by the way, uh, yeah, a couple of people talking here about uh, how far out the uh, the powers of illusion. Sorry to kind of tra- change topics here a little bit, uh-huh. but uh, just asking uh, how far out the powers of illusion reach for the Tolosians. And uh, and I, I guess we're speculating here about whether or not that is affecting what's going on in the story in any way. I, I hope I really hope it's not one of these um uh, you know, Dallas style cliffhangers. Oh, well, well, that was just a dream because the Telosians were doing this, you know. Oh, that would be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we'll get there. <laughs> oh, oh, but what if it was a new heart style dream? Oh, okay. Now, it, yes. Yeah. Uh, if Discovery ends <laughs> with, bed with Susan pushing a mix. Shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, it ends where Riker wakes up and he says, oh, I fell asleep on the holodeck. What a crazy dream. And oh. then everyone can have that same argument all over again. Yes. Oh, that, that'd, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Cool. <laughs> Rudy, anything else on your mind tonight, sir? That was really what I had. I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. And thank you guys for having me on. Thank you very much for, thank you very much for joining. Wow. Um, we got a couple of people lined up. There was a thing that I wanted to address really quickly when you were talking about how far the effect is from Talos four. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a temporal, whatever, right? A temporal anomaly and it's about to blow up. And, and so, and yeah, so many tag. Oh, far too many tag. It's like nine. Yeah, at least. <laughs> right. And so Discovery has to get away as fast as it can. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they will like warp out of there. Uh, can I remind everybody that that was happening right around Kaminar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so a big temporal something or other just blew up. I wonder if next time we go back to Kaminar, is it like, you know, is it, is it uh, Kelpians hunting the bowl? Right. Or, or, you know, what's going on there? Because I assume that they're now going back in time because of that explosion. Right. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows? Hey, uh, wait, oh, I see. We, we got Brian popping in here. Uh, let's go over to Cosmo. Then, then we're going to talk to Brian. So Cosmo, you are on the line with this. Hello, sir. Good evening, fellas. Good evening, Cosmo. Hey. All right, so you're you're up. You're you're somewhat more upright than the last time we had you. I'm in a recliner with my foot elevated this time instead of in bed. So yes, right. progress. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you guys and the Facebook folks, what is your level of excitement, if any, for the Telosians coming in? Are you guys mm-hmm. like when you saw that? Were you like, ooh, yay, or oh god, or somewhere in the between? 
What are you guys feeling? John? <laughs> How dare you, Ken? How dare <laughs> I know. I, I have extremely mixed feelings about this, and here's why. Um, on, the positive, on the positive end of this, um, I think they look cool. I think that they are a seriously untapped and fascinating uh, uh, foil slash adversary that we got introduced to in Star Trek. There, there's so much there, and we had such a great time analyzing and discussing the cage and the menagerie that there, there's, there's a wealth of material there. However, <laughs> I feel like we did it. And and there's something really wonderful that bookends the Pike story with how we were introduced to him and them and oh. how it really poetically ends. I love the way the Pike story ends with, with changing the, the meaning of him being on Talos 4 and making that off limits. Um, I don't really want to see that messed with. Uh, because again, something we talked about before is sort of making the Star Trek universe smaller. And mm. by, by constantly going back and revisiting plot points, it kind of says to me, it's a, a hand-waving like, oh, look, we watch Star Trek 2 because Star Trek has Telosians in it. Mm -hmm. so th th that isn't what makes it Star Trek. That was a great story that we had with Pike, but I, I, I sort of just want to leave that alone but here's the thing i want to be blown away by it and i want them to do something in discovery that totally surprises me and and changes my perception and expectation about the telosians so i wasn't thrilled to see them in the preview to be quite honest but i'm ready to be surprised by them uh ken yeah, same. I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I, I'm reminded of uh, one of my biggest complaints about Star Trek Into Darkness. They just kept saying things that had been in Star Trek as if to prove, no, seriously, we're Star Trek. You know how you know? Because we, we've heard of Harry Mudd and we've heard of all these different things that we had all heard of before that didn't need to be there necessarily. And, and, uh, Harry Mudd is the only bad guy that we've come across. The mirror universe is our foil in the first season. And now we're going back to the Telosians, um, which uh, also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, means the death penalty, doesn't it, John? Yeah, uh, that is the death penalty. Yeah, so that'll be good, too. I mean, that's it's kind of an inglorious end for this show. And it's weird because <laughs> there are still like five more episodes. Huh? Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, you know, they know what they're doing. Um I'm not, I'm not overly excited. I'm also, I have to go back now and forgive me, but this was a, this was a bone of contention all through the first season. And so it's something that I'm kind of thinking about now. Klingons were different and everybody's like, well, it's 24 houses. And so that's why, and they're going to explain why and all this stuff. And now the Telosians are different, noticeably different. And, and I think it actually is what I said in the first season of discovery. It's just, well, new people have new jobs. And so they're going to go and put their own spin on it. Right. These guys look um, very different, and it would be weird if they look exactly the same. But if you can make new makeup, you could make a new race. I mean, yeah. make, 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 give, give me some place new to go instead of keeping taking me back to the same, like you know, three places in TOS. That's that's my immediate thought. But again, hopefully, like John says, they will give us something uh, mind blowing with it, and we'll find out. Yeah, and you know, I, the Twitter verse was very uh, divided with uh, the Telosians, and I keep going back to something Larry Nemechek tweeted uh, that it's not fan service necessarily; it's using the universe, and it's such a fine line between into darkness style fan, style fan service where oh, see, we like like you said, we like Star Trek name dropping stuff, yeah, but then actually using the huge Trek universe and. Um, it's just such a tricky line to walk and pull off. Yeah. It, you know, when we had um, Bob Orsi on the show years ago, right after into darkness came out and please, if you're new to mission log, go back and listen to that show. We had a lot of fun. Well, I, I know I did. I know Ken. 
Bob Orsi was a good sport, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, he, he said something along the lines of, well, it, it, it's Star Trek and we have Kirk and, and you have to have Khan because you, you can't have Batman without the Joker. <laughs> and, and, and my, my problem with that line of thinking is, well, see, you, you had Kirk and you had Khan for three hours out of <laughs> 700 plus hours. Kirk also had all these other things going on in the Star Trek universe. And, and we told that story and, and we, we can kind of put together all the pieces so we don't have to retell that story just to try to prove that it's Star Trek. So, um, but again, if you're going to bring back a character or bring back uh, an alien species or bring back a location, whatever, I, I want to be wowed by it and go, oh, that, that's the thing that I never got out of it before. You know, uh, it, it's like hearing a great remix. Most of the time, remixes of songs are terrible because you just want to hear the original song and you question why in the world did somebody go into a studio and decide they could mess with it and make it better. But every now and then you hear a remix that goes, uh, oh, wow, that's, that's really good. Maybe I'll listen to that instead of listening to the original next time I want to hear that song. So it's possible. Here's here's the one thing I will say. I mean, we're nerds. I mean, we just are. We've watched a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> Everybody watching this right now has watched a lot of Star Trek. A lot of people watching Discovery may have watched Star Trek casually. They may have watched some Star Trek. But, I mean, the Talosians, the Talosians for us, I think, were defining because it was the Star Trek that we never got. Right in the game, mm-hmm. and then it was a, a pivotal, a pivotal, excuse me, part in TOS as well. I don't know that the average discovery viewer is necessarily as invested in every single episode of Star Trek. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Um, maybe it just gives them a chance to fill in the discovery universe a bit. But for everybody who, you know, well, for everybody who has a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> like going back to the well ones too often it, the Talosians are just very unique like it's one thing to say we're going to have Klingons but there's a lot of Klingons who do a lot of different things or it's one thing to say we're going to have Romulans sure there's a ton of Romulans we, we introduce so much texture into the Romulans uh, what was that one with the defector Ken that you like um, um, I, a booby trap I believe it was called yeah I think you're right <laughs> Uh, so, so there's so much there, but with the Talosians just, I, and I don't want to make anything precious in the Star Trek universe, but I just feel like we told that, that story. It was singular. It was beautiful. They got to reinvent that ending again in a singular and beautiful way. I, I don't feel like we need to go back there, but please wow me, surprise me and prove me wrong. By the way, uh, Cosmo, before you say goodbye, uh, David in the chat says, I still say Finnegan was the all time nemesis. Why not three hours of Kirk and Finnegan? David, do not make me have <laughs> Finnegan meltdown on my own show because I will. I will. You don't want to see that. Cosmo, have a great night, man. Night, guys. Thanks for Take having care. me. Take care. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. I'm sorry, I'm checking my watch because I'm trying to figure out. We got at least two callers lined up. Normally, we do a thing in a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and do that thing now, which is to remind you that uh, soon after this show, soon after this show, uh, another show from the Roddenberry Podcast Network will go live on Facebook. It is Priority One. Uh, every week, uh, Kenna, Elijah, and Antony get together to talk over all kinds of Star Trek stuff. It's gaming news. It's, it's, it's book and movie reviews. It's Star Trek news of the day. And uh, it's recorded live every Tuesday night. So 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific, uh, pretty soon after this show is when they go live. And you would go to facebook.com slash priority one podcast to find that facebook.com slash priority one podcast. If you cannot catch them live, then uh, please do catch the uh, tape delay because, oh, yes, they're recorded live before a worldwide audience, but they are recorded and uh, they, they don't play it back like it's live, though. Um, and the number of ways you can find that any place that you get podcasts, basically so on Spotify, on Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts or podcast.roddenberry.com. That'll hook you up with the shows that John and I do. Uh, the show that John does with Larry Nemechek and then a bunch of other shows too, including Priority One coming up live after this show. There we are. 
Back to you in the studio, Mr. Champion. <laughs> hey, we, we have, uh, we're just blessed with the riches of so many callers who have called in tonight, so many listeners who have called in tonight, uh, and we want to get to everybody. So we're going to j- jump right over to Brian and say hello, and then uh, we got Paul waiting patiently after that. So, Brian, welcome to the show, and what is on, on your mind tonight? Uh, can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Very oh, good. Wow. And we can see you, too. So, Alamarine. All right. Um, <laughs> How dare you? I don't know what shap this is. You're Alamarine. I'm going to call this shap 42, okay? We'll just do that. Um, <laughs> I don't – I have been. I've, I'm just want to say I've been a fan of you guys for years. I don't listen to the podcast and anything. Um, I don't really know what to say because uh, it turns out in the last 10 minutes you pretty much rehashed all my thoughts I had about the appearance of the Tolosians, uh on Discovery. And so uh, I'm kind of right along with you. I felt that um, the uh, the mystery of the Tolosians should have just kind of remained, uh, you know, sacrosanct and, and, and never to be never to be seen again, because there should be some mystery somewhere in Star Trek. I get the feeling that given enough time, we're going to visit a lot of things that we never thought we'd come back to in Discovery. So, um, I think that you guys kind of agree with that. Well, this kind of goes to a question about, uh, look, I I don't want to take a tool away from an artist. I I, I wouldn't want to go to a writer and say, here's all this stuff you can do. Here's this huge universe that you can play in, but you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. Like if the idea is there and it's great and it, and it actually brings something new to the table and makes me look at what happened 50 years ago through a, a fresh perspective, then that should be entertained. That, that should be a discussion to have. And look, I, I think some people are under the impression that a TV show, and particularly a TV show like Discovery, you just have like one rogue writer who can write down whatever they want and then it gets filmed. And clearly that's not the case. You have a lot of people with a lot of hands in each episode who are trying to craft it to be the best way that they can. You can agree or disagree with whatever that final product is, but none of nothing there happens by accident. So whoever it was that first said, oh, and then we could bring in the Tolosians, I hope they then had the same conversation that we're having, which is to yeah. say, okay, but if we do that are we doing it for the right reasons and are we doing it because we can actually add something i would have liked to revisit explosions much much later you know and seeing what's been going on on talus for but um i guess you have to say there is a lot more at stake when you bring spock and pike back into the mix and talk to them but now it becomes this thing that's sort of like well is it part of the canon in the sense that all this happened and then the menagerie happened and if it did, then how come this was never brought up during the menagerie? You know, so it's, it's all this right, whole, right. which universe are we in now? Are we in the Kelvin timeline, we're in the and all that. And there's like 10,000 videos on YouTube. You can go talk about that. But, um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a, yeah, I think you kind of knew it was out there. And it's just like, yeah, that way lies madness. Um, but anyway, that, that was, uh, that was the thing I wanted to talk about. And I see we have precisely, Seven minutes left in the show, so I should let the next person get on. But uh, <laughs> perhaps I shall call you again. All right. Well, Brian, yeah, please thank do. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for calling in tonight. And that's, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And yeah, do give us a call back another time. Um, there's seven minutes left, as Brian said. Uh, probably timing up. Well, I know we've got, we got Paul who's coming on the line right now, but I will throw out the contact information one more time. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the uh, one tap from your smartphone or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod and click on the thing there. But of course, if you can hear this, you know where it is. So, uh, Paul is here with us this evening. Good evening, Paul. Hi, Ken. Hi, hey, what's on, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, you guys have covered a lot of what I was about to say. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. I, I've got other things. I, I, w- I wanted to say that I'm less concerned about the shrinking of the universe with the Telosians than I am with Leland having something to do with Burnham's uh, parents. Uh, that right. seemed very soap opera to me. Was, you know, I, I expected... <laughs> You know, close shots of Giorgio and then close shots of 
Leo in and then close shots of Giorgio and then cut to a, a soap commercial or something like that. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm picturing that right now. Yeah. So, that? <laughs> but uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing the Telosians and maybe even Vina, you know, and maybe the death penalty thing happens because of what happens with Burnham and Spock now. You know, I, I'm not ready to toss out the cannon yet. So I, I find it quite interesting. And, I, you know, I've, as long as they have the, uh, the, the veins that pulse on their foreheads, I think that's, that's going to be really great. <laughs> Looking forward to that. The thing is, here's what I'm hoping for, honestly. There, there was so much stuff introduced 1964, Gene Roddenberry is making a television pilot, and the message kind of is, you know what, we really need to maybe watch a little less television and maybe get a little more hands-on ourselves, right? And and that's that's like 50 years ago now, over 50 years ago now. I'm not saying we're not going to get that same sort of um, deliberation or consideration around the Telosians. But I mean, they were a they were a rich, like philosophical vein to tap, oh, and yeah. and and my my worry now is they're just going to be they're going to be the Deus Ex Machina, you know, like like the, the 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 clip from next week's episode is show me my brother's mind, right? And then she gets zapped. If all they're going to be is the is the magic that gets us in this box brain, so that we know what's happening with them, well, then you know, then yes. <laughs> you still have the death penalty question hanging out there. So, I mean, they, it's not just that they're old. It's not just the revisiting, you know, uh, Star Trek canon, because that stuff is there to be explored and to be played with. But they were, I mean, they were an amazing sort of warning. No, like Spock could certainly have used the mind melt if he wanted to connect with Burnham in that sense, but. Mm. Yeah, which but I think he, actually but he is guiding her towards them. So I, you know, maybe that's maybe he can't right now. Maybe his his mind's too messed up to be able to do something like that. What about uh, what, what about Sarek? At any point, did he try to mind meld? Or he just like, whoa, no, 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 <laughs> no. It's it's definitely good that they didn't have Sarek do that though, because that goes all the way through TNG. Yeah, that they, never, okay. that they never mind melded. So yeah. props to them for not going well, except for that one time. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, Paul, hey, can't thank you enough. Please, please call in again sometime. I, I feel no, like there will be. No, no. Oh, so one quick. Yeah, please. I love the shout out to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with the probe attacking the. It was just like the squid and the uh, the Nautilus. I just I saw cool, that, I was like, right? <laughs> How cool was that? That, that yeah. was really great. I love that. <laughs> so. Yeah, that that was a, a nice looking probe, and it did. Yeah, the first thing I thought too, like, that looks like the squid. <laughs> that was so neat. Very right. cool, man. Have a nice evening, guys. <laughs> Take it easy. Take care. Until next time. Hey, uh, Ken, I, I very quickly want to jump into this. I don't think we have any other callers standing by, which is great because, uh, first of all, thank you, everybody who did call in. I just want yeah. to squeeze this email here real quick uh, from Josh, uh, Josh Romano, who says, uh, Hi, fellows. I just finished catching up on the season and a half of Discovery in time for tomorrow's new episode. I think he means tonight's live show. Uh, this is the first time since TNG that I've made watching the new next new episode of Star Trek a priority and having new track to share in a community like this is simply awesome. One note on light and shadows. Sarek says he doesn't want to lose both of his children on the same day. Is he forgetting Cybok? And if so, does that make him an even worse parent, or can we give him a pass on that one? Because I've wanted to forget Cybok since 1989. Boom! There you Boom. go. Josh yeah. Romano, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. You know, props to that. Props to that actor, though, because he did a fine job. I feel terrible for him. Well, Larry Luckbill. Yeah, because everybody would probably love it if he had never turned up in Star Trek. I got to say really quickly. Yeah. Um, cause uh, that email did come across before one of my rewatches and I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but what Sarek actually said was, I'm not prepared to lose both of our children. He said to Amanda, I'm not prepared to lose both of our children because as we know, Cybok was actually half brother, uh, to Spock. I say, as we know, as if almost everybody else hasn't forgotten Cybok as well. So maybe, uh, Sarek should have said, I'm, I'm not prepared to lose my, my real son. 
who's, who's here, who's your son too, and uh, our adoptive daughter, who I have a very strained relationship with. Right. <laughs> and, the graves of Cybok had just walked by in the background at that point. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> both of my children. Both of my children. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we, we did it, Ken. We, we managed to, uh, we, we got through an hour of having some amazing conversation about this week's discovery. And I uh, can't thank everybody enough who called in tonight. Thank you so much, because uh, that's the way this works, is that you guys call in, and then uh, we, we do a thing, and we talk. And I guess uh, all that is left to say is uh, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, technical production. Thank you so much to Earl Green for doing your thing. Now, we'd love it if you would check out podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp and Priority One and The Trek Files. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you again next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.